Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to take a second to talk to y'all about Anchor. If you're anything like me, you've kind of recently fallen into the world of podcasting, both on the listening and creating side. I recently found a bunch of podcasts that I love and decided it was about time that I make one of my own because I love talking to people and I love sharing creative ideas and this was just the perfect way to do that, but I had no idea how to do it because, of course, I've never done it before. But some of the podcasts I listened to mentioned Anchor and I decided to check it out and it is the best decision I have ever made. Anchor is a free podcasting service that allows you to record, distribute, and pick the cover art and music for your own podcast. I mean, what else can you ask for? It makes the whole process so simple, especially for those of us who are just starting out and really have no idea what we're doing. And in order to distribute your podcast, it takes little to no work from you at all. Anchor will distribute your podcast to places like Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, the whole nine yards. And you can just watch yourself grow and change. And it's a great way to develop that learning experience. So if anyone is interested in making a podcast anytime soon or ever, really, Go to anchor.fm to check it out. Now on with the episode. What's up, you guys? I have two warnings for today's episode. So the first is that there are going to be some major spoilers for some series which will be put in the description. Uh, So please go ahead and check that out before you dive in. The second is... When me and Sabrina get to the villains part of the podcast, we get a little... A little bit crude. Um, So if you're not into that, then just please skip ahead to uh, the mysterious section of (laughs) the podcast. But uh, I hope you guys enjoy. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to the Fangirl Files podcast. I'm Madison. I'm Sabrina. And today we're going to be investigating fictional characters that uh, we both love. Yes, so this is going to be an episode on our fictional character crushes. Yeah, so that's a better way to phrase it. <laughs> buckle up and enjoy, my guys. But first of all, how are you, Madison? Oh, I'm hanging in there. As Sabrina knows, I've had a rough week. Like, it's just, it's been really strange, and I've just sort of been 
trying to, I guess, find my footing and figure out what my future's going to look like in a way. Yeah. How are you? Honestly, me too. I've now that I'm done with grad school applications, I'm sectioning off, sectioning off Sundays as apply to jobs day hmm. because we are now 99 days away from graduation. If you didn't know, well, you're not because you're staying another year, <laughs> but I am, and I'm oh my God. gonna die. So I now need to find a job in the next nine nine days, and I'm scared. So I'm so that's sorry. It's fine. I'm just, it's a lot to process is the thing. Yeah. And I need to figure out, because, like, where I get a job is greatly dependent on, or, like, where I go to grad school is greatly dependent on where I get a job. Mm. So, because that's, and at the end of the day, that's going to be how I, how I make that decision. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not going to be program as much as I could. I do need to work. So, that's been stressful, but I'm, so I'm trying to figure that out, but it's. Other than that, I've been pretty good. Got some pizza today. Chilling. Having a grand old time. I feel like we're coming out on the other side of the tunnel for things, though. Yeah, I think we're doing better than we would have been doing a couple of years ago. Yeah, for With sure. Our, we're handling our a lot better than we did a few years ago, you guys. For sure. Like, a million... We were both a mess when we lived together. Just emotionally, mentally, we were just gone messy 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 and now we're learning how to be adults about our problems in some but cases yes for though. me yes yeah <laughs> but not completely yet we suck yeah you want to get into this thing my guy you want to list off our uh five major categories yes we have sorted our crushes into Five categories, I think we've got. Three, no, six categories. I'm sorry. We've sorted our crushes into six categories, which are bad boys and girls, villains, mysterious ones, the poetic ones, the cinnamon rolls, and other, because there were a few we didn't know how to characterize. Hmm. So we are going to start today with the bad boys and girls. Oh, God. You guys, I'm very, very, very basic. And I'm going to give, like, a short little blurb about each one. But the first one I want to list, you all know, I don't think it's a surprise, Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Oh, Draco Malfoy. You love to hate him. You hate to love him. All that fun stuff. He... Honestly, is so deserving of a better character arc than the one he has. It's more like you see it more in the books, obviously, as Deathly Hallows comes up in the book. There's a whole scene at Malfoy Manor where he deliberately says that he doesn't recognize Harry. And it's more, I guess they do touch on it on, in the movie, but it's more prominent in the book where he's actively telling Bellatrix, I have no idea who that is. But he clearly knows who the hell Harry is. He gives him his wand. He's trying to help, you know. And at the end of the book, in the 19 years later section, I think it's like they meet, their eyes meet across the platform and he kind of just nods at Harry, like acknowledges him as he wouldn't have done years ago. So Draco is just inherently misunderstood because he doesn't want to be a part of the Death Eaters, but he is. So I just, I love him. And he's that guy that in fan fiction you like... I don't know if anybody here, I'm sure most of you here, if you're listening to me rant about this, have 
read Dramini fanfiction, and it's always like he has that one soft spot for Hermione after being an asshole, and like I just I love him. I'm a big fan. So he's my first one. And also Tom Felton portrays him beautifully. I think it's like the good girl, bad boy vibe too. Why people like society so much. It is like in essence, Draco is a white supremacist. He's that kid at school. You don't fucking like. Oh no. You know what I mean? Yes. He would definitely. He's the Trump supporter that you're like, shut the fuck up. But like, But the thing is, though, is, like, because it's Harry Potter and you know how terribly he's been treated at home, like, you see Lucius doesn't pay him much mind. Lucius will, like, smack him upside the head. His parents don't really care about him all that much. And so you know what he's been through to get the way he is. And at the very beginning, he does want to be Harry's friend. And then he just acts out in the way of, like, oh, this guy thinks I'm terrible? Fine, I'll be fucking terrible. And then he is. You did mention that... um you found him, like, clever in a very, like, in a way that you wouldn't really expect. Yeah, I think, like, in the sense of, like, he's willing to fight back against his parents, but not directly. Like, in the Half-Blood Prince, he's been assigned to kill Dumbledore, but at the same time, he's very cleverly evading ways to do it himself. He gives Katie Bell the cursed necklace, and she touches the wrapping, and she gets, she is basically possessed. And then he gives the poison bottle of me to Professor Slughorn. He corners Dumbledore in his office, but at the same time, he's saying to him, I don't want to kill you. I wish I didn't have to, but I do. I have no other choice. So you know that he's not inherently evil. He just puts up this mask because he's too afraid to stand up to anyone. And I love that. Or I love him for it. Mm. I think that's the one reason why I couldn't really like Draco for me personally is just because, like, I don't know. I guess he's, I don't want to call him a coward because I know you're going to clap back at me. I mean, it's your point of view. Like, I don't think he's a coward. I think he's brave enough to have, after all that time, gotten out of the situation. But, like, at the same time, he could have done it so much sooner. Mm. But I'm just, I'm attracted to him in ways I can't explain. So, that's that on that. Okay, you want to go? Yes. Everyone and their mom knows that Jason Todd's on my list. So, I'm just going to, I'm going to (laughs) start with him first. I love that bit. All right. So, if you haven't, like, seen the Villains podcast that me and Sabrina did on her, uh, on the Caffeinated Artist, or if you just don't know who, like, Jason Todd is, he's essentially the, um, he's like the second Robin from the Bat family. Um, He sort of took over for Nightwing. And a lot of who he is is very much so sort of like a foil for Batman because Batman has like that huge no-kill policy. He's very against like using firearms and all that sort of jazz. But I think where like Jason Todd, he why he's sort of an anti-hero and why he sort of kills people is because he grew up like on the streets of Gotham and his dad was like basically put in prison his mom's like a huge drug addict and so he sort of had to take care of her and take care of himself and so you know he sort of has seen by living on the streets and living outside of the privilege that bruce wayne has um what exactly happens to these criminals when they're put into the justice system you know they eventually like escape arkham or they get out on bail or all this other stuff that happens because of i guess the corrupt police force so i think a a big reason why 
he sort of kills villains is because, um, you know, he knows that, or he at least thinks that uh, Batman's sense of justice is not going to work. And I think a lot of, in a lot of ways, like my attraction to him is relatability towards a lot of the internalized rage that he has, not necessarily like me wanting to go out and kill criminals and things like that. But like, he has sort of, he's very angry towards Batman because um, Batman, he felt like Batman should have saved him because uh, I'm all over the place, but there's like, um, the death in the family is the most iconic one with Jason Todd. It's where he essentially, his mom reaches out to him and, you know, she sort of wants to rekindle things with him. And so he goes out and then he sees that she's working for like the Joker. And he tries to basically save her by doing, donning the mantle of Robin on his own and um, trying to basically apprehend the Joker. And then it ends up, he ends up dying and, uh, and then he sort of comes back as Red Hood and things like that. Um, and you sort of see in like the movies about Red Hood in the comic books about Red Hood, he's very angry at Batman for the fact that he hasn't killed the Joker yet. He's like, why, why didn't my death push you over the edge? Why didn't crippling Barbara push you over the edge? Why didn't all these bad things basically like lead you to kill him? And I think a lot of that internalized rage I could sort of relate to growing up. I sort of felt, I guess, the same way that he did towards a lot of people that were around me because... I don't know if I'm going to keep this in, but I felt a lot of times in my own home life, like I didn't really get enough of the attention that I could. And a lot of the times what I ended up doing is like sort of latching on to like teachers and things like that. And sort of, um, it's like the English teacher thing where it's like, you have an English teacher you can always go to. I think everybody at some point in their, their life it's usually i've seen like have you seen the memes of like the girls who like latch onto their english teacher because of bad relationships at home yeah and i think that's like a gay meme too or a queer meme that i've seen i think it is too because i think i've seen that i don't know how i'm on like by tiktok but i love it there mm. but yeah like i sort of tried to look for attention elsewhere and when i was growing up i didn't really get that so i think a lot of the times like i sort of had the same internalized rage that jason todd does and i could sort of relate to him like wanting some sort of figure but also being able to have his independence um and i think in a lot of other ways too like it's the fact that i think a lot of women can sort of relate and i guess a lot of people in general um can relate to sort of wanting to go off onto your own adventures and sort of escaping like the daily uh the daily trudge of everyday life like i think a lot of people yeah say they want stability but like they don't they fear like you know coming home from a job that you hate and like you know cooking yourself a meal and then sitting in front of the tv for like two hours and then going to bed and repeating it over and over and over again like i don't think a lot of people want that and i think yeah that's my theory is that a lot of our attraction to bad boys and a lot of our attractions to villains is because when you fantasize with them, you could sort of see yourself moving outside of the expectations of society and sort of having your own independent adventures. Yeah. Like the spontaneity. Yeah. It's like, you say you want stability, but you really want this spontaneity that exists in so many of these characters. And that's why you're so drawn to that. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about um, Damon Salvatore, who's on my list. Damon is um, from the Vampire Diaries. If For those of you who know, he is um, one of the Salvatore brothers on the show. He is the older brother, you know, Ian Somerhalder, for those of you who know him and are probably in love with him just as I am. Um, they know that Damon comes into the show and he's 
basically trying to get back at Stefan by wanting to be with Elena or wanting to kill Elena is his goal in the beginning. And then like, obviously over time that changes and we're actually watching it for the first time right now. So I'm trying not to speak too loudly because Reed's in the other room, but um, basically there is a point in the show where Elena says, I love Damon because despite all of the terrible things he's doing and despite all the terrible things he's done, he has taught me how to live and breathe again after such a terrible loss in my life. He's what's making me feel more alive than I ever have. And so I think that's what like a lot of girls crave from these built these villains. It's not just the attraction of, Oh, it's the bad boy in the leather jacket. It's, this is spontaneity and something unexpected and something I wouldn't normally do. And I want someone who brings that out in me. Yeah. And I think to add on to that theory too, like the original bad boy, not what it's currently, unfortunately transitioned into now it's sort of abusive, sad boy. Um, the original bad boy, I feel like is also um, like they're rebellious in a way that's sort of, some of them can be rebellious in a way that's sort of selfless, like they'll rebel against like the school board and things like that because they feel like it's sort of taking away their independence or they feel like right. there's something corrupt that happened um, there. And I think a lot of the like, particularly for women, a lot of the times, you know, we're told to sort of follow the rules and we're told to even follow like right. social codes. And so like seeing the bad boy as a woman in particular, I'm not sure if there's any like, queer parallels there but like the bad boy in a sense is sort of like you're able to go outside of these expectations for you you're able to break free from you know the rules that you're told how to be a, a you know a good woman and things like that and so i think that's also yeah. sort of a reason for why bad boys are attractive too yeah and that's like that's a thing for me too is that's exactly what elena sees in damon <laughs> because she's always been like the rule following like she was the cheerleader she was just this clean cut girl who wanted to go to medical school following her dad's footsteps, blah, blah, blah. And then she meets this guy who turns her world upside down mm. and makes her into a completely different person to where she doesn't have to follow the rules anymore. She doesn't have to be by the book. And that's, I'm sorry to like continue on with another villain. It's another villain from the same show or not the, vi not a villain, a bad boy from the same show. I don't classify him as a villain, no, but, but Klaus Michelson from the Vampire Diaries, actually has a similar dynamic with Elena's friend Caroline, who is very, like, by the book, she's very uptight, very rigid, very, like, everything needs to be perfect, I'm going to plan everything, I'm going to plan the dances, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, or, like, even in the show, when things go haywire, she wants to be at the forefront of the plan, and Klaus just encourages her to live her life. Mm. And Klaus encourages her to live life on the wild side and take risks and do things that she would never normally do. And so I think that's that's his allure is despite being quote unquote a monster, he has this attraction to her and this soft spot for her where it's like I think part of the trope of bad boys is that they may seem so terrible, but they will always have a soft spot for the one girl that they love. Mm. You know. Yeah. I definitely relate to that. And I feel like that gives like a sense of protection as well. Like you feel like they would defend you and you feel like they would um, take care right. of you and things like that. Like with Klaus and Caroline, like 
Klaus is perceived to be this monstrous human being throughout all the time he's on the show, throughout all the time in like the spinoff shows and everything. But the truth is he would drop anything and run for Caroline. Same goes for Damon with Elena. He would do anything for her. And like, it doesn't matter if he has to fundamentally change who he is as a person. He can be a dick to everybody else as long as he's no longer a dick to her. And, oh God, the Vampire Diaries is like a whole tangent for me. So I'm going to let you go again before I go again. No, you can keep going. I only have like um, two more people on the in this category. Okay, I have three more. So I'm going to go. The, la- the one of them is from Vampire Diaries. So I'm going to continue on with... Um, You need support, someone to help you start something new, help you see what's possible. For more than 30 years, busy adult students have trusted Indiana Wesleyan University with their dreams. IWU partners with you wherever you are in your journey to offer you flexible, affordable, career-focused education. You know why you want to earn a degree. IWU knows how to get you there. Learn more about available financial aid and see a complete list of more than 100 online academic programs at iwueducation.com. Enzo St. John, who it's like, for those of you who know Enzo and love Enzo as much as I adore Enzo, he was trapped in a, like, prison for vampires for 50, 60 years in August, in Augustine, it's called, sorry. And um, while he's in Augustine, he obviously is in love with this woman who he wishes he could find. And then he falls in love several more times at the series, or at least we find out that he's been in love with other women. And he has this hard, like, lack of humanity in him because they can turn their humanity on and off. And so when he turns it off, he's cruel. But it's always the girl that he loves that can somehow bring him back. Which is, that's another bad boy trope. Because it's always just underneath all of that, they're a sappy, romantic ball of mush. And that's why a lot of girls in real life will go and chase the bad boy because they think that real life bad boys are like the bad boys you see on vampire diaries or in Harry Potter or twilight or in my case, divergent or the city of bones or whatever. You know yeah. What I, I know mean? what you mean. I think like, and I can relate to like the fact that uh, bad boys with like a soft spot too. Cause I definitely have someone on my list that sort of fits that um, like, Mm-hmm. Bond from like the seven deadly sins. I <laughs> I love him so much. Okay, like and when I you know when I first met him, he sort of fit into that category of you know I thought he was an asshole because he's like anime sort of built him to be like this very like if you if you've seen a picture of him, he looks he's very muscular and he's very tall and like he sort of fits into like the trope of I don't really care about everything um, sort of thing. But like then you sort of see him. You see him go to, like, Elaine, who's, like, his girlfriend, and there's some problems with that that I'm not going to get into there, but if you've seen the series, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but he's he's so dedicated to her because, like, in the series, she she died, and so he's, like, trying to revive her, and he's trying to essentially, mm-hmm. like, protect her and things like that. And I think, like, once I started seeing him transition from this like asshole to like i'm gonna be really loyal to elaine and things like that i was like oh that's so sweet because i hated him in the beginning i hated him so much but i'm like i love this man now that's exactly how i felt about damon actually because that reminds me of like you said he's trying to revive elaine and in the in the same vein like at the beginning of the series damon is in love with basically elena's like counterpart from a different time named Catherine. 
And basically, he is a piece of shit in the beginning. He's sarcastic. For those of you who have seen the series, like, the first five to ten episodes, you're not supposed to like Damon because he's supposed to be this monster that he's trying so hard to find Catherine and find out what happened to her because Catherine was the first woman he ever loved despite her being manipulative and toxic. He just wanted to make sure, like he was able to find her, that he would be able to get to her, that he could save her because he feels like it's his fault that she's gone in the first place. And that's basically what's sustaining him and keeping him clinging to the like last shred of humanity he has, especially towards Elena because they look so much alike. So like that's his sole focus. And in a sense, you come to feel bad for him because as much as you love to hate him, he still has this soft spot for the woman that he cares about. And I actually deleted the other bad boy off my list. I have one more. So if you want to go again, you're welcome. To oh, I have so. a one bad girl on my list. And I'll pro- it's probably going to be a little bit short because, like, um, I've only seen season one of this show. But, like, if you've seen Lucifer, like, Mazikeen, like, she's she's just wonderful. And she doesn't get enough credit on the show. Again, I've only seen sort of season one. But, like they turned her character from like this really sort of like badass person to like, like basically she like cares for Lucifer's brother in a way. And like, she's sort of like this double agent between like Lucifer and him. And like, she starts falling for like Lucifer's brother and stuff like that. When in the beginning, she sort of seemed like she had some sort of thing for Lucifer, but like, I I guess I just love how, like, badass she is and how she doesn't really seem to... She seems like she doesn't really care about a lot of things, but, like, you know that she sort of has a heart of gold. So I guess she sort of fits into the other trope, but she deserves a lot better than what she's given on that show. Like, come on, reducing her to a love interest? Yeah, I hate when they reduce women to love interests, and that actually compels me even more to watch lucifer which i've been trying to do for a while and i just have not gotten around to it so i'm putting that on my list but like i hate when they reduce the women from these badasses that they're supposed to be to just love interests which is another thing that i think they did with wanda but that that like if you didn't listen to last week's episode go listen to that and you'll know what i'm talking about but i feel like that's what they did with her and that frustrates me so that's how i relate to that yeah i wish i could say more to that but i don't know enough about lucifer to do so and so i don't know anything about her yeah but i do have on my list for those of you who have read the city of bones city of ashes um jace herondale i know it's the obvious one and i know that everyone has this crush, but I just love him. Because he comes off as this cold, hard guy who doesn't need any love. But at the same time, he, again, has his soft spot for Clary. And, of course, you know, they think they're siblings and everything. And then, like, it just gets harder for him and he builds... You know what what's your Yeah, I haven't about, read right? it, but I heard the whole and siblings like, part. Uh, I heard that, what happened with that, and I was like... I know they're not actually siblings. No, it's so good. Yeah, spoiler alert. Sorry, uh, this guys. whole episode's they're gonna, not we'll, actually We'll put siblings. in a disclaimer at the beginning. But. but here's the thing is, like, I love him. I think his evolution is amazing. Like, he basically is just craving love <laughs> from a family. And he finds out that the Lightwoods aren't his real family. And, like, well, he's always known that they're not his real family. 
But, like, he finds out that they really just don't care for him. And then he thinks Valentine's his father. That doesn't pan out. And then he finds out his real father's been dead for years. And it's just, he becomes such a hard shell of a man and as a, just a cold hunter in general. Like, as he finds out more and more information about his past, because he just doesn't know what to do with himself. So... I really enjoy the fact that by the end, his shell starts to crack because he realizes that the one thing he's ever wanted that makes him genuinely happy, which is Clary, he realizes that he is able to have it. He realizes that everything that's happened has just happened because people have stood in his way. And so it starts to crack and break down. And I think that's the mark of a really good bad boy when that shell cracks Mm. entirely. So I love Jace for that so much and i have more to say about him and i like i might just do a whole shadow hunters episode so i'll talk more about jace as like this podcast goes on but like i i love jace he's just adorable and his he has like the sweetest mannerism to him despite being so wounded so i i love him i've seen the movie version of him yeah. <laughs> like I'm 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 attracted to book Jace. Don't even bring up movie Jace. Movie Jace was attractive. TV show Jace was Wasn't he the guy with the heterochromia? Like, he has like two different colored eyes. That yeah. guy is that guy's fine. Yeah. I'm sorry, but he's fine. I don't he, mean to objectify him, but, but he is. He's so fine. But like here's the thing is like I'm attracted to movie Jace. But I'm also, like, turned off by it because it's mm. such a bad movie. And plus, also, fun fact, did you know that he used to be married to the to um, Bonnie Wright, who played Ginny Weasley? The movie version of Chase? Yeah. Was... Very, very huh. briefly. And he was in Twilight. He was in Twilight. Wait a minute. I barely remember this man at all. Because that movie, I, I only remember, like, little snippets of that movie. Yeah, he was in Twilight. He was one of the Volturi. He was Caius. So I thought that that was funny. Um, do we want to move on to uh, yes. villain? Okay, so my first villain, again, from the Vampire Diaries. Hi, freaking Parker. I just, the layers. And first of all, Ty Parker is attractive as f- I love him. He is sexy, especially when he comes back from the dead at um, a Joe and Alaric's wedding, and he's got a stubble, and then, like, Sybil captures him, like, in later seasons, and I'm like, so great. There, there's, like, that scene at the at the end of the series where they chain Ooh. him to a chair. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> I mean, if my family's listening to this, turn off this podcast. Well, mine's gonna now. get derailed, too, so... <laughs> Like, There's like, something I mean, so wow, sexy about sexy. villains, though. No, like, but he's like a psychopath. Mine is kind too of sexy. Yeah, because that makes like he okay. So background on Kai Parker, and people are gonna think I'm fucking insane right now. But background on Kai Parker, he uh just okay. So basically, what happens is hit like in Vampire Diaries, there are covens of witches mm. and warlocks. And so Kai is a part of the Gemini Coven, which is one of the most powerful covens in the world. And what happens in the Gemini Coven is Gemini is the symbol for twin. If you're not, if you're like Gemini is associated with twins, if you're into astrology. So 
obviously the twins are the ones to like merge their powers and become the leaders of the covens. But when they merge on their 21st birthdays, they die. Kai is a siphon, which means like he's not born with magic. But if he touches someone with magic, he mm. can take it from them. And that's like an abomination. Like it's a mutation thing. And so his family kind of shuns him. So what his parents do is they try and try and try again to have kids. And then they have two other sets of twins. Kai finds out that after all this time, like they were trying to do it so that like these two didn't have to merge so that Kai wouldn't become the leader because Kai would probably win. So like Kai, what he does is he goes on a rampage and kills all of his siblings looking for these twins. Like kills like psycho axe Hmm. murderer kills them. And spoiler, spoiler alert. He ends up not, but like, just he went he goes that psycho and then he gets trapped in this prison world in 1984 like the year that he's done the crime and so like he's just stuck in there trying to get himself out and he's just the most sarcastic snarky piece of shit and i think he's so funny and he's so hot while he does it and i'm like can somebody please just snatch (laughs) up this man like maybe he would be better if somebody helped him I mean, probably not because he's mm. fucking psychotic, but I love him. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm sorry if, if anyone from both of our families are listening, but villains, you just know they're going to be good in bed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, oh they're going to be God. wild yeah. as hell. I, um, so your turn. I'm not naming this villain, but Sabrina knows who he is. And I'm sad. I told you before, uh, before I described him, because holy hell, you're going to be like, Madison, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, my God. This okay, man, okay? <laughs> People might even know who you're talking oh about. Oh, like, Hopefully they don't. I'm him. not. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Disclaimer, right? I know he's fucked up, okay? And I'm not saying his name okay. for that reason, because <laughs> it's very it's very embarrassing. Um. Look, that's how I feel about Kai Parker, but, but like, it's I, I, this thing is like, well, I guess murder is unforgivable as well, but like, the murder of your <laughs> entire family? Yeah. Do I, do what? I know the worst thing Kai does? So, the one sister, he actually doesn't end up killing his twin. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get a chance to. So, Kai, what he does is at her wedding, he like somehow breaks out of his like exile. And shows up at the wedding and stabs her in the back. So she dies in her wedding dress. He is a psychotic mess. (laughs) But I'm in love with him. That's such a mood, though. But literally, though, like, this character, I can't finish the TV show that I'm watching with him in it. Because I get so fucking horny for him. Okay? That's how much power this man has over me. I literally can't finish the f***ing show he's in. Because, holy mother of God, I've just, he messes me up. But, okay. <laughs> Serena's like, what the f***? You know what he looks like, too? And he is not, he does not look like my type at all, right? Yeah, no. No, not at all. I guess I should describe why. In case... Y'all figure out who he is, because you're going to yeah. be like, what the f***? First of all, um, I think he sort of fits, like, an ideal relationship that I want, because he's a very, like, independent sort of person, right? And he's very much so, like, a loner to where he works 
he works well with people and he's not afraid to work with people but like most of the time you see him like doing his own thing and being on his own and like having his own sort of goals and stuff like that and i think for me like what i've sort of wanted is sort of like a catwoman batman type of relationship if that makes sense to where you're both like um you both are doing your own thing but like when you come together like it's a good time and shit like that you're happy and it's yeah like better and and then i guess like the role he also plays with the hero even though there's like a bit of a messed up dynamic there like he is he's a very untraditional villain in the way that he will challenge the hero but he won't like push the limits of challenging them like he's very much so it's not like where the joker will push batman over his moral code he'll do it within like what the character feels comfortable with and he sort of wants the character to like reach their full potential and things like that like he's not afraid that the character could someday like be on his level he very much so wants that sort of thing and i think this role is appealing to me because most of my life i've encountered people who have told me i'm to this or i'm to that when i was really just trying to improve myself or trying to reach my full potential so even though his relationship with the hero is toxic, it fulfills one of my needs of someone who would be proud of me and someone who would, fe- who would feel secure enough in themselves to let me do what I need to do. And I think a lot of my attraction also comes from the way that he guides the hero as well. Um, he recognizes who they are how they function and what they need to do in order to progress. So he doesn't feel the need to get involved. He doesn't feel the need to interfere because he knows that the hero is not going to work well that way. And he knows that um, eventually things that he wants are going to just happen. And that corresponds to a lot of my needs because I need someone who's able to sit back and understand that I am a loner, but I also need someone who knows like when I guess to step in and when it's okay to, to lend me a helping hand, if that makes sense. And I guess another thing is just like the fact that he's a very complicated person. I think like, I think being socialized as a woman, like you feel like we talked about with bad boys, like you feel the need to like figure people out and like, you know, help them out and like sort of like fix men, even though that's a very sort of problematic thing. But he's kind of a mysterious person. You don't really know a lot about his backstory. A lot of the times you don't even know what he's sort of doing off screen and things like that. So like, you know, you sort of want to try to figure out what he's up to and what he's doing and in a way sort of join in on that adventure i'm going to talk about sex appeal too i have a thing for villains with very good voices okay like when sabrina's freaking out over there but when they like have growl in their voice and when they're (laughs) sabrina's flipping out Oh my god, he like I Ty hear Parker's his voice, voice in my head like randomly at times and I just get like weak in the knees cuz I'm like I might cut this out but I'm like I want this man to yeah. the fuck out of me. Okay, and the way that <laughs> this, this is turning into call her daddy. <laughs> we have two episodes hurts. to where we're being moist over here. So I apologize for that. <laughs> but, Very moist also just the fact that like he looks like he's gonna eat you the fuck alive 
Like, he does. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Like, the power that this man has over me. But that's all I had. Um. <laughs> in my lust for this man, I forgot to mention that he's also insanely clever and insanely gifted. And as someone who constantly wants to improve themselves and acquire more knowledge, that's just something that I gravitate towards is just people who know their worth and know how to accomplish their goals and just are skilled in general. That being said, he's also a very manipulative person who crosses a lot of lines that I'm not okay with. And I just wanted to make it 100% clear here because unfortunately that got lost in a lot of our discussions surrounding villains. Just because we're attracted to them and just because they have a tragic backstory does not mean that their actions are excused. They're terrible people. We don't agree with the things that they do and they deserve... It's a new year, and with T-Mobile, it's not about how far apart we are. It's about how close we can be. So we're bringing out our best deal. Right now, get the iPhone 12 on us on every single plan with eligible iPhone trade-in. So I can FaceTime with my sister in Savannah. That's right. The iPhone 12 on us on every plan. All on America's 5G leader in coverage. T-Mobile. With 24 monthly bill credits and a new line, plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us for well-qualified buyers. Qualifying consumer plan required. See coverage and offer details at T-Mobile. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I- I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, it- is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mmm. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 100% of the consequences that they face for their actions. But I didn't want to completely cut this conversation out of the episode because you can't help who you're attracted to. Uh, if that was the case, then we all would be, we would all gravitate towards someone who has their stuff together and we wouldn't get into toxic relationships. That being said, you also have to sit down and have a conversation with yourself about why you're attracted to this person and why you're able to overlook a lot of their faults. I think that that's a lot healthier than completely shutting down the conversation of you can't be attracted to that person because what that ends up doing is they the person who's attracted to villains, like me in particular, for instance, I already know they're messed up, right? I already know that a lot of their qualities would not work out for me realistically. But I also understand that you need to look at the patterns of your attraction and look at the issues with your attraction to try to understand where that cycle comes from so that you can break out of it. So I just wanted to put that here. Um, I'm sorry to break the concentration of the podcast, but uh, getting back into it. I think everyone, like, no matter your, like, sexual orientation is into, like, some villain that you're like, yeah. why do I like them? A hundred percent. Like, Kai is disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. You saw the scene that I just showed Yeah, you. I did. It's brutal. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> but it's like, I, that, I can't even talk about the other th- three villains on my list in depth now because now I'm just thinking about Kai Parker and I'm like, nobody will compare. <laughs> so in short, Hades, enough said, the overlord of hell. Hades from what, though? Because Hercules? <laughs> <laughs> no, not Hades from Hercules. Hades from, like, the Percy Jackson books. 
Oh. Because they they describe him as like a rock god kind of dude, and I'm like, oh, yes. Um, <laughs> Daddy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> love Daddy Satan. <laughs> but I guess yeah. with me, also Loki. Loki doesn't do it for me. No, not in the sense of like I'm like physically attracted to him. Am I physically attracted to Tom Hiddleston? Yes. Oh yes, for me, me too. Yeah, for sure, million percent. But I like love, I love Loki in like a way for his sarcasm because I think he's hilarious. Mm. But, like I'm not physically attracted to him, but also I have this very sick attraction, and also City of Bones fans are gonna hate me. But um, to Sebastian Morgenstern, which is. Basically, um, so we think Jason and Clary are siblings. Sebastian is Clary's real sibling. And basically, he's been being kept away from, like, everybody by Valentine for years and being trained to be this menace of a person. And he basically is trying to kill Clary, Jace, and everybody who's ever tried to get in his way. And for whatever reason, he's so fucking twisted. But I love him. Mm. And it's not a physical attraction. It's just like a ooh. I feel like you would be like immaculate in certain settings. <laughs> That's I had this like sick sort of attraction to him when I was reading the series. Maybe not anymore, but 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 then. Mm. I gotcha. I gotcha. But that was on my villain, so I'm gonna let you talk about yours because because I assume you have more to say. Mine was my big one was just Kai Parker. I just have one more poison ivy. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. She's like, she's like a classic though. And like the fact that she's also like queer, I don't know if she's like, um, if she's like bi or she's lesbian or things like that. Cause she has like sort of a relationship with like, uh, Harley Quinn and stuff like that. But like, I think it's one, I think it's like appearance wise. And just like the fact that she's a redhead. Cause I have something for redheaded women in general, but like she's so like intelligent and she's so just like, like she's so dedicated to her cause to the point where like, for instance, within like the Arkham, the Arkham game series, like she basically teams up with Batman because like, she doesn't want to like basically see the world with her plants like destroyed. And she's just like, so dedicated to that cause. She's just like, she's something else, dude. Like she's just, she's amazing. Yeah, I, like, as a straight woman, I also have, like, a very weird attraction to Harley Quinn, too. Oh, I'm not. Because it's, like, okay, but maybe that's because of my own ex-boyfriend-related trauma with someone who <laughs> called themselves Harley Quinn. Another story for another time, folks. Except never, because nobody ever needs to hear that story. But, um, no, I think it's also because in the uh, new Birds of Prey, she's played by Margot Robbie, who I love. Hmm. And also just Harley Quinn is just so sick and twisted that I'm like, I can get with that. But it's like, there's I don't know. There's so I, I agree. There's something about like crazy women in general that just like. Or just crazy, like unhinged as a villain. Yeah. That in a lot of cases ends up being attractive. Yeah. Not like Joaquin Phoenix Joker. That's not attractive. That's too much for me. Yeah. That's too much, but there's a certain level of villain where it's like, oh, you're attractive. Unfortunately attractive. Do you want me to do my mysterious characters? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go into Vampire Diaries yet, even though I do have one. 
Um, Nico D'Angelo from Percy Jackson and also um, Heroes of Olympus. Oh my goodness. But like, I remember when I was a kid and reading these books, I loved Nico because he was dark and he kept to himself and you just wanted to know more about him. And it's like, obviously, after Bianca dies, he gets even more dark because he blames it on Percy and he just doesn't want to be anywhere near it. But like, also, he can manipulate things. He can manipulate the air. He can manipulate people's feelings because he's the son of Hades. And I don't know what it was, but just the dark energy of never knowing what it was about him Mm. that made him so lovable and attractive to me. And it was like, obviously, years later, and I don't remember which of the other books it was. Maybe it was Mark of Athena. Maybe it was a different one. But whichever book in which we find out. The whole time you're thinking, oh, he's in love with Annabeth. And then he goes, he tells Annabeth, no, I'm in love with your boyfriend. (laughs) And I just remember being like, oh, my God. Because I was like, wait a minute, I have a crush on him. And I was sad because that, like, meant I couldn't have him even though he wasn't real. Mm. Um, Because, like, the darkness. And I was just like, ugh. But, like. I don't know, it was just something, like, that's my attraction to Nico, is he has this very dark energy surrounding him. I had a very, so like, I had a very similar experience with him in the books, when I was, like, yeah, I, and I think, like, I don't know, in a way, you're sort of, like, spill your secrets, baby, sort of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're, like, what is it? Like, what can I find out about you? Yeah. And then, like, once you know, you're, like, oh, like, that's cool, but, like, sad for me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> It's the mystery of, like, what is it that I'm missing? Yeah. But, like, once that's solved, you're like, eh, the attraction is still there. But, like, because, like, the obviously, like, he's not real or, like, he's not going to fit in with any of the ships that, like... Because, obviously, like, there was a point where, like, you start to see, like, could a ship work with Annabeth? Like, maybe? And then I think he actually ends up with Will, um, Apollo's son. Mm. Do you remember at the end of, like, the series, he winds up with Apollo's son? I didn't read that part of it. I've only read, like, the, the initial. First five? Yeah. See, in the last five, at the very end, he winds up with Apollo's son. Hmm. And I like that. But it was, like, until then, you were, like, the darkness, the allure, what is it? And that was my favorite thing about him. And to move on, because I don't have much more to say about Nico because he's not in the books enough which makes me upset like I feel like there should have been a whole book just following what he's been up to Mm. because I feel like his descent into like figuring out his power and not rejecting his heritage anymore like what has that been like because him and Bianca were foster kids not foster kids they were like on the run and like moving from city to city and denying their powers so I would have loved to see like a book about that but like that's another story for another time so I think I'm going to go into my little uh, vampire craze and I'm going to go Twilight with uh, Jasper Hale. And I've thought about this more and more lately and Madison and I were talking about this before we started recording. Unfortunately, Jasper is another one of those guys who emits shit, like white supremacist guy vibes because he was in the Confederacy and, you know, and I'm not down for that. But it was... The thing about Jasper for me was even without um, Jackson Rathbone playing him, and Jackson Rathbone is an attractive man, just 
Jasper's story in general of, like, he was always the cold one, always brooding, always keeping to himself. And he always wondered, why is Jasper keeping to himself? What's going on with him? And then you find out his story of, like, he was bred as basically Maria's little puppet to be a soldier for her army and kill off her, like, troops when they were no longer useful to her. When they had grown too old to be, like, fast and strong and blah, blah, blah. And, like, the way he can manipulate people's emotions, it just adds this allure to him. And you always wonder, like, what's on? What's going on inside his head? And you figure more of that out with, like, her new book, Midnight Sun, that's from Edward's perspective. You, It's basically Twilight, but you see a lot more of the Cullens and their thought processes and their interactions because it's from Edward's perspective. So a lot of, like, filler stuff of, like, Bella went to see Jacob and he tells her about the vampire. That's not there. So you get a lot of Jasper from that. But I always loved, like, Jasper's story and how he came to be a vampire and how he found Alice. It was all very alluring to me and I just, I love him. But do you want to go with yours or should I just do my last one and then you go yours? Oh, I don't have a mysterious one. Oh, well then, okay. Um... Last one, of course, I have to do the other half of the Salvatore Brothers, Stefan. I don't know if he qualifies as mysterious, per se, but he definitely doesn't qualify as, like, a cinnamon roll. He's kind of poetic, I guess, because he's a writer, mm. or like, and he writes a lot in his journals. But most of all, like, especially in the beginning, he's mysterious. You never know what's going on inside his head. And then, obviously, like, Ripper Stefan comes around, and you're like, oh, shit, this guy, like, could fucking mass murder people and he's fucking scary especially when he has like no humanity Stefan is so so much fun I love you no humanity Stefan I, I love him I think he's a hoot I think he's so great <laughs> but like there's just something about Stefan and his constant brooding I don't know what it is with like men and their brooding but it's like sexy <laughs> especially when it's Paul Wesley brooding and maybe that's it. Maybe it's not even Stefan. Maybe it's just Paul Wesley. And Paul Wesley is, like, the definition of a cinnamon roll when he's not playing Stefan. Mm. And I'm not going to go into spoilers of the show because, again, if Reed hears me or listens to this podcast, then he's not going to want to watch the show anymore. So I think just from the beginning to end, he has just such a complex story, and it makes me love him. And I didn't really know where to put him, so I'm going to put him there. <laughs> Mysterious. Yes. So, do you want to go poetic? Oh, I don't have any poetic ones. <laughs> oh, fuck, it's just going to be me talking. Okay. So, actually, I'm only going to do one for this one, because I'm not, like, attracted to the other one. Um, so, for those of you who have read All the Bright Places by Jennifer Niven, or have seen the Netflix movie that came out last year around this time, actually, um... All the Bright Places is about, is about two teenagers who meet on the top of a bell tower and then I get paired together for a school project. Basically, it's about mental illness and battling depression and bipolar disorder and things like that. And one of the characters' names is Theodore Finch. Hmm. And just, he's scary because, not scary, I don't want to label him that way, but he's just, he's something because he's always thinking, like, should I die today? Like, He's very poetic about it, too. He's like, hmm, this is how my life is going to go. And, like, this is how my death is going to go. And then he meets this girl, and he's just utterly enamored by her. Mm. And he just says the most poetic, beautiful things to her. Like, he says, you are ultraviolet remarkable, because her name is 
Violet Markey. And he just, like, will write her poems or send her quotes from Virginia Woolf books. And he just, at the same... But he's also very, again, like, he has the mysterious vibe to him. But he's very poetic and he's ready, essentially, to scream his love for Violet from the rooftops at all times. Mm. And I love him. Okay, moving on to cinnamon rolls. I love cinnamon rolls, okay? When When they're good, when they're just, like, gooey... I love them. And I guess I'll guess I'll start because mine, I, um, so for those of you, I think it's pronounced Hakyu. If it's not, then like, I'm so sorry to pronounce it incorrectly, but, um, it's basically an anime to where, um, they have like this volleyball team that's trying to basically like get to the nationals and stuff like that. Karasuno is the team that, Uh, the character I'm going to talk about is on and they're trying to redeem their reputation as like this really good school, like this once great school. They basically lost a lot of their good players and they're no longer as good as they used to. And their coach actually retired as well. And so like Sugawara, I love this man. I love this man so much. Every time I see an episode with him, I just love him even more than I did the day before. And he's just so, like, he's so selfless. The fact that he's a third year and, like, this is your last time to make it count on your volleyball team. And this is, like, one of the, like, last times that you're really able to play. Like, you have, like, seniority and everything. And he gives it up to a first year without being egocentric about it. He's just like, I want my team to win, so I'm not going to make a big stink if I'm getting subbed out by this other player, replaced by this other player. And it's so cute. He's just, he's so positive, too. Like, um, I love that man. Sugawara, he's... He's the best. That's my cinnamon See, roll. I don't watch anime, so I can't say no, I know. in response. I have, I'm going to start with the one that you know the best oh, no. on my cinnamon roll list. Peter Parker from uh, um, the Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Oh, really? In particular. The biggest cinnamon. Like, I'm not like, I don't have a crush on him, but I just think he's adorable. Mm. So he had to be on the list. I'm like, because he's not the kind of guy where you're like, oh, yes. But like, you know? Yeah. But it's like, but like, I see him and I'm just like, oh, the old one. Like the old woman who like comes and pinches your cheek and is yeah. like, you're so cute. Like your grandparents. Like, yeah. Like that. that's how I feel about uh, Peter Parker. Mm. I just, I adore him. I think he's so cute. <laughs> he's just like, or, or what's it called? I just. I always go back to like him fighting with Tony on the dock mm. in um Homecoming and he's like You're not even you're here. Not here. Yeah. You're never here. And then he Tony walks out. Stabs out of the suit. That was fucking funny. And Peter's like oh. Yeah. This is so and just there, like or just in Infinity War that I don't wanna go. Please, please, Mr. Stark, I don't wanna go. I don't wanna go. And then I, I, I could, I lose it every time because he just sounds so helpless and I can't handle it. Like he's such a chicken nugget and the fact that like, he makes me emotional. I, I, I love him. I love chicken nuggets, man. That's so funny. I love him so much. He's so adorable. And just the fact that like his relationship with Tony makes him seem like even more of a nugget because like just, the way Tony treats him is it's like he's his child. Mm. Like, Tony, like, I think, was he in Dubai or something? He was like, he bumped into someone. He's like, sorry, I'm on the phone with my teenager. 
I think he's... And I was like, you're teenager! That's your son! Yeah, they have a cute relationship. They do, so it just makes me think he's a big schmickin nugget. And then I have, like, three more. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> I had a long list of fictional characters, guys, and I couldn't consolidate it because I just... Everyone deserved some recognition, even if it's just honorable mention. Mm. I'm going to go backwards on the list next. I'm going to save my favorite cinnamon roll for last. Um, Steve Rogers. World's biggest... I, he's such a cinnamon roll, at least in the early movies. Like, by... Um, by Endgame, he's like, yeah, that's America's ass. But, like, in the beginning, <laughs> like, in the first Avenger, like, uh, in, like, the Avengers, like, the first, um, like, group film, such a cinnamon roll. Like, he walks up to Nat, Nat and he's like, ma'am, and she's just like, okay. Like, he's, she's like, why the f*** are you calling me ma'am, you know? Like, he's just so polite and well-mannered and honestly even into infinity war and endgame he kind of maintains that persona mm. while also same simultaneously being a badass but being a badass doesn't work for him and maybe that's because he's portrayed by chris evans but i just can't see him as anything more than the yes man like of course man anything you want like just the polite stand-up, like all-American boy per se, and I just think he's adorable, especially early on. It's like because he has all this trust placed in Shield and in Fury, and then it just obviously goes to shit, and that's when he starts hardening. Mm. But like, it's just so sweet. I think up through probably Age of Ultron, and then after that is when it starts to go downhill. Or no, it was it was Age of Ultron, and then it was. Winter Soldier. But I think the reason why, like, you know, he, Steve in a way, like, checks off a lot of my boxes because he's like, he lets Peggy Carter sort of have, like, her floor and he lets her, you know, be, he lets her basically be this, like, empowered, independent woman in a time where that's not really acceptable and things like that. So, like, yeah. So he should attract me, but I think I just need a little bit of spice. I need a little bit of, um, okay. I guess I just need a little bit of crazy there, or a little bit of like darkness and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you need a little bit more. Like, and I think that starts to come out, mm. like towards Infinity War and Endgame. But it's like he's not sticking around for us to see more. Yeah. Of it. Which is upsetting because I really think he could evolve into like I respect. Him. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Because, like, let's say they, like, filmed Avengers for, like, a 2020, which I know that by the time um, Endgame finishes, it's beyond 2020. But it's, like, I feel like if they developed it right, if it was in the right, like, time periods, like, Steve would be fighting back against, like, injustice in the country as yeah. well. And I think that would harden him beyond belief. I think that would be really interesting. That would have been such a cool character arc. Instead of him going back to for Peggy, who I found out actually this weekend that she actually had her own story arc where she spent an entire season trying to get over Steve. So it's like, what? I've the more I learn, of so what? Yeah. What? So I was watching. Yeah, honestly, they should have killed. Him. I was. They should have no, killed him. What? <laughs> what? 
what you what you just said I think would make a lot more sense if he gave up the superhero mantle to like fight within like maybe politics or like you know go to like protests and oh, stuff I like that. I don't I don't mean like giving it up completely. Oh. But I think like pushing his focus more so onto that. Yeah. Like I think that would have been such a cool character arc because obviously like they could write it in such a way where it's like I'm sure what they could have done, even though this isn't, like, accurate to the comic books, they could have had, like, okay, everybody's back, and now Doctor Strange is going to put them back, like, in the time from which they came, so nobody has to do things over again, you know what I mean? Kinda, yeah. So it's like, I don't know, and then they could, like, put Steve in a situation where that's where he could pivot, and then he could do, like, internal work for S.H.I.E.L.D. on the politics Mm. end. You know what I mean? And then, like, try to cleanse the organization from the inside. Mm. So, like, I think that would be a nice evolution from sweet chicken nugget, like, polite all-American boy to badass. He just... I think, like... (sighs) He just gives me you're gonna have missionary for the rest of your life. Like, that's just what he gives me. Oh, my God. Like, he just doesn't give me kinky vibes, and I think I need someone with it. He doesn't. With a little bit of kink. But Cinnamon Roll, Charlie Weasley. This is going to be brief because I love book Charlie Weasley because obviously movie Charlie Weasley doesn't f***ing exist because um, they never show him. But basically, Charlie Weasley, because like he values those dragons that he takes care of in Romania above all else. Like He would do anything for animals and dragons. And, just, and he's just so wholesome when he comes to the burrow for the Quidditch World Cup. And just, I picture him being this very strong yet very gentle person because he cares for all these dragons and magical creatures. And he is, again, always very wholesome when he comes to visit. So that's just my two cents on Charlie. Like, I've always wanted more. I wish they had, had included Charlie in the movie. So I kind of like put a concrete face to the name because I think the one description I'll always remember was, like, that he had a scar on his arm that was basically, like, glowing because it was so, like, bright. And I was, like, for whatever reason, I remember finding that so attractive. Mm. I just really wished that there was more Charlie Weasley. And then my favorite cinnamon roll of all, Neville Longbottom. (laughs) Oh, I adore Neville. Like, first of all, Matthew Lewis, if we're looking at the actor, just, oh, my goodness. Like, through the years and then... evolves into quite the man anyway but no i just i love neville i love that he's barely brave enough to stand up to the golden trio because like he loves them and he just wants acceptance but i also love the fact that he's so proud of himself when he progresses in, in in his magic like he says at one point i think it was either in book number three or book number five where he says his family almost thought he was a squib maybe it was even the first book his family may have thought he was a squib because he didn't really show any signs of having magic until his 10th birthday. And so when he starts progressing in Order of the Phoenix and you start learning more about him and how soft he is, I just, I adore him. Like, there's this whole scene. You know how Mr. Weasley gets attacked yeah. by yeah. the snake? So there's the whole scene when they're visiting him, visiting him at St. Mungo's where they end up on the floor for people who have lost their memory or who've been tortured. They see Lockhart there, and then they notice Neville in the corner. And he's visiting his parents, who 
basically have lost their speech and everything due to having been so intensely tortured by Bellatrix Lestrange. And it's just him in such a vulnerable state that that's the longest scene we have of just Neville for the entire series. And he's there with his grandmother. We finally see what she's like. And he's just very timid and reserved. And he looks almost ashamed. And you just feel for him. And he's just this sweet little cinnamon roll who he clearly cares so much about what his mother thinks. Like, she can't speak to him, but she gives him, like, her gum wrappers. And every time his mother's like, oh, his grandmother's like, oh, you should throw that out. Like, she's just doing it like it's silly. He stuffs them in his pocket when his grandma isn't looking. Because he knows it's something that his mom is giving him and he wants to keep it. And it's just, it's so wholesome. And I just, I have such a soft spot for Neville Longbottom. I would do anything for more Neville. Yeah. I, Neville's like the one person that you feel like you're like, I want to protect them. You know, like, I want to keep them safe. Yes. With my life, I literally was like, oh, Neville needs to live. No matter what happens, he needs to live. And I love the way they made that arc very present in the movies. That's the one thing they didn't Mm -hmm. overlook was the importance of Neville gaining confidence. This is kind of... Even if he was briefly featured in the first three movies, like, barely, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so good that they focused on, in, even four at certain points, even Goblet of Fire, five, six, and seven, they really did emphasize his character arc mm-hmm. growth. Not by much, but they did. And so I just, I love him, and I feel for him, and I think he's such, the, like, the cutest little thing, and I'm so glad he turns out to be so strong. Yeah. This is off topic, but I love the fact that they had to make, like, his actor within the last few movies, like, conventionally unattractive because he just got, like, like beefy and stuff. So yeah. good. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, he's so good looking. Can yeah. Stop. Like, oh, he's so good. Because he did that, like, Calvin Klein underwear ad. Oh, my Lord. I need to see said ad. So good. So good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I also just... I ship Neville with Luna just because I think that would be so wholesome. But he actually ends up marrying him. I was Abbott literally just going to say that. I was like, wait, wouldn't it have been cute if he ended up with Luna? In the movie, he did end up with oh, Luna. Oh, that must have been where that was from. In the book... He did not. He ended up with Hannah Abbott, which isn't like exclusively said in the book. You just... Do you remember who she is? She's like, do you remember in the first, like, couple movies, there was always this blonde Hufflepuff girl. Like, do you remember that guy, Justin Fletch Fletchley, who, like, got attacked by the snake almost? There was always this girl sitting next to him, and that was Hannah Abbott. We are going to go to the other category before I have a heart attack. (laughs) I only have one in the other category. Um, Sebastian from Black Butler. I have a... Th- oh do you know God. who he is? Yeah, I do. He is so goddamn fine. He's got, like, the voice, too. Like The voice, yeah. I'll give you. It's just... I, I have a big thing for demons in general. Like, it's funny that you called me a demon on one of our episodes, because I was like, I have such a big <laughs> thing for them. I remember my friend used to be obsessed with him. Oh, from... He's... Yeah. I don't even know what it is. I just think it's the fact that he's just... the. He's just a sarcastic little shit and, like, he'll push your buttons and stuff like that, yeah. but he's, like, he's fine. He is. I remember I watched, like, two or three mm. episodes. Yeah, it's, it's, side note, it's kind of hard to get into Black Butler. I hated the first, like, six episodes, and then I 
watched the rest and I was like, this is good. Like, what? Yeah, I didn't love it, but I'll take your yeah. word for it. Um, I have a couple of other. Go ahead. That was my last one. Again. again no, you're I'm fine. So I, I Guys, I promise I let Madison yeah. talk. I just. It, uh, and she has, she has so much more insightful things no, to say. No. So. Your insights are just as great as mine. No, they're not. Because I think we always end up recording when I'm like in my head, like I'm ready to go to bed. No. No, so my other category, mostly because I didn't know where to place him, Jacob Black from Twilight. Mostly because I was Team Jacob when I was younger. I still am Team Jacob because I really do think Bella's life as a human may have been more Mm. fulfilling than a life with Jacob. Because I feel like she doesn't have to change so much of herself in order to, like, be happy. So that's where my thinking on that comes from. And also, he's just not very poetic. He is kind of a jerk in terms of, like, you should pick me and I don't care, like, about how you feel about Edward. Edward's a piece of shit. Like, in that sense, he is a jerk, but I do think he should have ended up with her because he does mean well towards her and his whole thought process towards her throughout Breaking Dawn, like, where the whole section is Mm -hmm. his point of view. It's he just wants her to be okay. He just wants her to live. And sure, that's all tied to, like, Renesmee, because he does imprint on her daughter, which is a whole whole other thing that, like, is not great. But it's, like, sure, that's all reliant on, like, that existing within her. But had she never married Edward, Renesmee wouldn't Mm. have existed. Meaning he never would have imprinted. Meaning they could have had a very happy life. Sorry, wouldn't it have been funny if Jacob imprinted on Edward? Because technically it's Edward's first. There's so much fan yeah. about that. Sorry. And I'm like, that would be so great. I think it would be so funny. I think Edward would hate his life, but like, yeah, the thing I think that would be great. But the thing that um, turns me away from like men like that in particular, like I'm not attracted to like the Jason Todd version of the Arkham Knight or like the Arkham Knight version of Jason Todd because like he had such a massive temper. And to me, that just makes me feel very unsafe. Yeah. Like when men are just like, screaming at you i'm like oh god please don't murder me like which like is i guess jacob's essence because he does like shake when he gets angry and he could very well kill you yeah. in transition mode so like that is understandable but like i think all the wolves in general aren't like that like my other like other person was like Embry call which was another person from the wolf pack and he's lesser known because he doesn't have a lot of lines but he's one of the guys that's always mm-hmm. following jacob around and I think my perception of him, first of all, Kyle Gordon, the actor, is pretty cute. Or he was when he was in Twilight. I don't know how he looks like now. But um, also, just I get the perception of him from fan fiction more than I do anything else. In the, in the book, he's shy because when he meets Bella, he's kind of like, oh, hey. And she described mm-hmm. him as timid. And so, like, that was cute to me at the time. But also, I get the perception mostly from fan fiction where he's shy and sensitive and just wants to do right by Bella rather than have her just belong to him and so i think because of that i've built up this version of the character Mm. in my head and i'm like i love him i'm in love with him and i want him to like be everything i'm team embry at the end of the day i've always been team embry and then my final one again for my percy jackson fans is leo valdez he's from the he's from like the second series He's technically not a son of Hephaestus. I can't remember Hephaestus' like Roman name, but 
he is, I just thought he was a badass. He is this very, like, I don't care about anybody energy, but I'm still going to build these things and we're going to be good because of this thing I do. That he also cares intensely about people. And I just picture him as just being very nonchalant and laid back and like the type of guy you'd want to hang out with. So I'm just, I'm attracted to him and I can't put my finger on what else it is other than that, but I'm like in love with him. And also the way he rides off with Calypso in the sunset, just wow. The fact that he gets Calypso off the island, he promises in a way that Percy didn't promise to get her off and he does it. Like, and he like goes back for her. He basically rides off into the sunset never to hear from anybody ever again because he loves Calypso and wants to like make sure that like he That's can a get loyal man, though. You know that man will go to the end of the earth for you. Really? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's why I love him. Loyalty is just like a huge, I think, sort of attractive trait in general. It is, and he was a loyal friend to, like, Jason and Piper, who are, like, the other children of the Romans. Oh. Like, I think the loyalty of him is what makes him so attractive. Sorry. You're good, my guy. But that was all of mine. So. Get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. So, I guess that's it for y'all, so. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Files Podcast. Um, follow us personally at Sabrina Canoon and so that's K E N O U M and then yeah. Wolf Silhouettes. And follow us on Twitter at Fangirl Files Pod and also follow us on our yeah. YouTube channel at the Fangirl. Sorry, Files. I've been late on the uploads this week. I as I've said, I've been going through sort of some personal stuff, so I apologize for that. Um, but if you want to provide us with, like, yeah. captioning and stuff, I've been trying to work on it, but I've it's just been too busy. Like, yeah. then, you know, reach out and, you know, we'll see what I guess we can do. But. Yeah, and, like, sorry, the Instagram's been lacking lately. I also have been off my game with that. Yep, let us know on the YouTube channel some of your favorite fictional characters. It doesn't matter how embarrassing it is. We will provide a safe space for you, but we'll catch you next week. All right, get the f*** out. Configuring the Bluetooth. Deciding who controls the music. Avoiding potholes. Remembering where you parked. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with Auto Owners Insurance, getting the right coverage for your vehicle doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who live in your community and answer when you call so you can get back to more important things like remembering if you're on the third or fourth level of the parking garage. That's simple human sense. Ask your independent agent if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Hey guys, I'm Serafina, and thanks for listening to SGP Radio. Stream our podcast and more across SGP Radio platforms, including the Brandon Gerald Productions app for iOS and Android. Or you can visit www.bgpllcapp.com. Stream, download, listen, like, Share, subscribe, repost, binge, and enjoy this podcast and so much others like 
Not your token black girl. Working gal's guide. Black girl story time. Juice pro wrestling. Black guy wrestling. And podcasts about nothing. We have so much more on our stations. Tell it for her, noir, and wrestling fans. Including SGP Radio Originals and our blogs. Enjoy. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. As a small business owner, you're redefining business as usual. From rethinking the way you work to reassessing your bandwidth, you're changing the way you do business. And at Cox Business, so are we. With flexible internet packages to get you back to business. Rethink. Reconnect. Reimagine. Get 50 megs of internet for only $70 per month for six months. No annual contract required. Ends 12-31-20 restrictions apply. Visit coxbusiness.com for details. All services subject to Cox Business general terms. What up? This is Robert Ory. You might know me as Big Shot Bob, and I want you to check out my new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. We'll always be talking hoops, football, sports, and I'm going to bring you some big guests like Lakers legend Shaquille O'Neal in our premiere episode. I know I didn't come in to train and count the best of shape, but... Look, well, you I'm, did one time. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, 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 well. Subscribe now to The Big Shot Bob Pod on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.